The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is D-Day for Empire star Jesse Smollett. He is on cross-examination in a court of law. This is after the star makes the risky decision to throw the dice and take the stand in his own defense. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Typically, a defendant will not take the stand because they cannot endure cross-examination under the old adage, better to remain silent and let people assume you're lying than speak and confirm their suspicions. Well, Smollett on the stand, but what, if anything, does it prove? Smollett, the star of hit series Empire, claims he was the victim of a racial and gay-based hate crime when he leaves his high-rise luxury apartment at 2 a.m. for a subway in sub-zero temperatures. He claims his assailants were waiting for him out in the cold, threw bleach on him, and tied a noose around his neck. Is that true? The other problem with a defendant taking the stand, we all know, all you legal eagles know, that the burden of proving a case is solely on the defendant, on the state's shoulders. The defendant has to prove nothing at trial. Absolutely nothing. And I have had cases where I put up my case and the defendant says, we rest. And don't, they don't put up anything because they don't have a burden to But once the defendant takes the stand, even though it's not the law, the burden seemingly shifts in the minds of the jurors to, is the defendant telling the truth? It becomes a litmus test of truth versus lie. Again, I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us. First of all, guys, I want you to take a listen to our Cut 30. This is Charlie DeMar at CBS. The actor took center stage at his own trial today, trying to convince jurors he did not choreograph an attack on himself. The defense attorney asking, were you planning a hoax? Smollett saying, no, there was no hoax. Smollett also denied paying the Osindaro brothers to buy supplies. And when asked why he didn't call police, he said, quote, I'm a black man in America. I do not trust police. I was also a well-known figure at the time and openly gay. I wanted to play a boxer. I wanted to play a superhero. The moment I got beat, I became an expletive who got whooped. 
Nearly three years ago, on a frigid January night, Smollett told police that he was the victim of a racist and homophobic hate crime. Guys, again, you're hearing Charlie DeMar at CBS describing what's happening in the courtroom with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. Professor Brian Levin, our esteemed guest director for the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at San Bernardino, co-author of The Limits of Dissent, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags on Amazon, and host of Today with Dr. Wendy on KCBQ San Diego, Renowned psychiatrist joining us from the Atlanta jurisdiction, Dr. Angela Arnold at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Forensics expert, Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, and star of another new hit series, Body Bags, with Joseph Scott Morgan on iHeart. But first, let's go to CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter Alexis Tereschuk. Alexis has been on the case from the very beginning. So, Alexis, Jesse Smollett takes the stand. Now he's starting his cross-examination. Explain to me what happened on direct exam with Jesse Smollett. So he spent quite a few hours first with his defense attorney. The prosecutor just had a very had a, had a, a very quick point that he wanted to make. He went right in on his relationship with the brothers. He wanted to know. Wait, who? Wait, 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 wait. Who is he? The defense lawyer, Smollett, or the prosecutor? The prosecutor. Okay, so could you rephrase, please? The prosecutor was able to question Smollett. He went he went right for the relationship with the brothers, because this is the key to this whole case. Is Jesse telling the truth? Did he, was, were these brothers? Was he- uh, excuse me, are you on a first name basis with Jesse Smollett? Um, what? Do you expect him to come over for dinner after the trial? Well, he's a Hollywood celebrity. I'm talking he's a to Hollywood you, Alexis. And you always feel like you're close to like they're they're more than just I don't people on the TV. And after watching and after hey, watching and after watching ahead. the show and being a fan of it. Okay, see, I never saw Empire. Don't hate me. I was too busy working and raising my children, Alexis. But you go ahead. So he takes not judging takes the stand, and he. It explains his relationship with these brothers, because these are the two. He has said that he was attacked by two men and that they were screaming, this is MAGA country, and calling him homophobic slurs. Well, it ends up, it's people that he knows. In fact, it's people that he has given money to. And in fact, it's people that he spends. Wait a minute, Alexis, aren't you kind of burying the lead? It's not just uh, the two Osandaro brothers. Um, they weren't just people that he knows. He claims to have gone to a gay bathhouse with one of them and had amorous activity. I guess I mean sex in a private room at a bathhouse. Don't you think, Alexis, I mean, you're the investigative reporter, that he would recognize the guy he's been having sex with? Of course, the Osandaro brother uh, denies it, but... How can both of those be true? Well, he didn't recognize them. He said they were wearing masks. And in fact, he didn't even identify them both as black when he was first speaking with cops. He thought perhaps one who had lighter skin. Then the police arrested Didn't he these. say they were white wearing MAGA hats? Yes, but they... But okay, so let, in the morning, Alexis, did he say his attackers were white or he not? Did. And it's But it's 2.30 in the morning. They were wearing masks. But he said they were white. He did. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm not getting a clear picture, Alexis. Let's just start with what did Jesse Smollett say on 
direct exam. He said that he was having a physical relationship with one of the brothers, that they had gone to gay bathhouses together. He was he was also saying that he hired these two brothers to train him to get in shape for a music video. He said that the director, the creator of the show, Lee Daniels of Empire, had told him he was fat. He was 30 pounds overweight and he needed to lose weight. So he also said one of the brothers told him that he could get him a special weight loss pill or powder that could only come from Nigeria, where these brothers come from. And that's why he was giving them money. That's why he had written them a check for $3,500. It was to train him to get him in shape and that he was texting them to try to get this illegal Nigerian weight loss pill. And what, what pill is that, an illegal Nigerian weight loss? I thought it was some kind of an herbal supplement. Did he divulge that on the stand? I don't recall if he said the exact name of what it was called, but he said that they had told him that they could get him something that was only available in Nigeria, not in the United States, and it would help him lose weight very quickly. So there's a weight loss supplement that exists in Nigeria, and we don't have it in the U.S.? I thought we had every weight loss supplement known to man in the U.S. That's a whole nother can of worms. Uh how did Jesse Smollett explain the fact that when cops arrived at his apartment, he refused to give them his cell phone to see who he had been calling leading up to the attack? And isn't it true that one hour and approximately 10 minutes before his hate crime attack, he was actually on the phone with the Osindaro brothers? He has... Not explain that, but he just said he didn't want to give the police his phone because he didn't want them to misconstrue anything that was in there, that he had things to hide. Specifically, you know, he has said that he likes to drive around and smoke a blunt, which is a, a joint, while he is filming, and he didn't want them to know about anything that he said about drugs, which was just marijuana, he says. Okay, again, please use proper names because there's a lot of he's floating around in this case. Okay, you just said... Mr. Smollett said... You just said that Smollett would smoke a blunt. Okay, isn't it also true on the stand yesterday, Smollett admitted that he would use cocaine with the Osadaro brothers? He claimed that he would use cocaine with them, yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
you have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Let's bring in the whole panel. Wendy Patrick, how is it possible that he said he didn't want the brothers to know he did blunt, which is pot, but yet he did crack, he did cocaine with them? It isn't. And that's one of the things that jurors are going to be able to consider now that he took the stand and really laid it all out there. Remember when a criminal defendant takes the stand, they are allowed to judge credibility as with any other witness. They're not supposed to be doing it if the defendant is just sitting at the table, availing himself of the right to remain silent. But what's, once he's on there, everything he says is going to be cross-examined. And that question you just asked, you bet that's going to be asked back in the deliberation room as well. Guys, take a listen to Patrick Elwood, WG in Chicago, Cut 29. Almost three years after he reported being attacked amid homophobic and racial slurs, actor Jesse Smollett took the stand in his own defense today. While being questioned by his attorney, Smollett described the early morning incident, saying he had gone out to Walgreens to buy eggs, but it was closed, so he opted for a Subway sandwich store instead. On his way home, Smollett says he crossed paths with two men wearing ski masks, with one of them yelling racial and homophobic slurs, and saying he was in MAGA country while recognizing him as an actor on the TV show Empire. Smollett says he threw a punch in his defense, but doesn't know if it landed. He fell to the ground and was kicked. He testified that after the attack, he didn't even know there was a noose around his neck because, quote, I was getting my ass whooped, unquote. Okay, that sounds fantastical to me. Dr. Angela Arnold, psychiatrist, joining us out of Atlanta for a black male to have a noose tied around their neck i mean that brings up so many horrible racial hate images and connotations i would know if there was a noose around my neck and i would get it off immediately and then nancy i, I agree with you and then to describe it as he did as a as a looney tunes like hit that's very there's a word that we use, and the word is incongruent. Those two things are not congruent with each other. To, for someone to put a noose around a black man's neck, like you said, has so many connotations to it, so many racial connotations to it. But then to say it was a Looney Tunes-like act, that, that, those two things don't mesh with each other. Yeah, it goes to behavior on the stand. Uh, Professor Brian Levin, I find it very difficult to believe that a black male familiar with racial hatred that has torn our country apart for so many years to be so dismissive of somebody wrapping a, a, a noose around your neck and then referring it to referring to it as a Looney Tunes event. Not only that, it would have been far more believable had he thrown that noose off his neck and ran from the scene. I mean, that would have been believable. Uh, but he, look, here's the thing that, that I got to say here. He came up with an excuse for everything. They weren't good excuses. They were paper 
excuses that crumbled with a variety of, of, of facts that came out. He said like uh, his creative director or something told him to keep it on or, or something like that. His manager. Hold on. Let me explore that. Uh, Alexis Terezchuk, isn't it true that on the stand, Jesse Smollett, the star of Empire, revealed once he was confronted with the photo, the video surveillance of him coming into his high rise after the attack, the news was one way. When the cops got there, their body cam reveals it's another way. And he has to first said, I never tampered with the rope. Then when shown the video comparison, he went, oh, yeah, I did take it off. But my manager told me to put it back on for when the cops got there. Didn't that happen, Alexis? Yes. And he said that that his manager told him don't tamper with evidence. So he retied it the way that it had been tied around him is what he claimed. But it wasn't tied that way when he came into the lobby of his high rise. No, it was, it was hanging more draped around his neck. Professor Levin, go ahead, please. <laughs> Look, here's how I look at it. If I could just take a macro step here, because I, I looked at the, the various Q and a that, that existed on, on cross he, he mm-hmm. came up with a, a little scrap of, of paper, if you will, for everything that came, came up and held it out as a shield, right? But here's the thing where – just bear with me on this, okay? Here's the thing where I, I think he's trying to throw that Hail Mary pass, and that is, look, two things. One, uh, have the credibility of the brothers come into question. And there, there, there were some issues with that, right? The, uh, but his main point was, look, I don't trust the Chicago police and neither should you because I'm a social justice activist. And it's when you have 55% of African-Americans having concerns about calling the police, whether we think the evidence lines up, when you have that kind of landscape, if you can get to a juror to, 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 to take that doubt, which to us looks incongruent and frankly preposterous, for people who have viewed things or had experiences through a different lens, right? Remember the OJ case. Now, in that case, just bear with me for one second. In that case, we actually had a guy who was really discredited, right? Remember the detective who said he never used the N-word? Here you don't have that, but you still have... Uh, Cases from the past where we had police lie in Chicago about the killing of a, of a teenager, right? So what I'm saying to you is that's the past. In other words, he might get, he, the, the goals might be blocked for all the other jurors except for that one that might have come in with a seed of doubt about the whole system. And that's what I think he's trying to exploit if he can for that, for that possible juror or two who might be willing to look at it from that angle. If you look at just the, you know, the evidence out of a box and just didn't, didn't know the, the background, you'd go, this is preposterous. But as you know, and that, that's what I wanted to say, one of the exciting things about being on your show, as a prosecutor, how do you handle that one? I think the way I would handle it is to point out the glaring inconsistency Uh, Jesse Smollett, a black male in America, a gay black male in America, claiming that another gay black male in America performed a hate crime on him, Smollett, because he, Smollett, is a gay black male in America. That doesn't make sense. That 
doesn't make sense at all. Um, does it make sense to you, Professor Levin, that one gay black male would attack another gay black male? No. It, out of hate because he's a gay black male? That doesn't make sense to me. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. But what I'm saying to you is I think that that prosecutor has to really hit that home over and over again. Inconsistency, inconsistency one, inconsistency two, inconsistency three, to try and get over a, a presumption that may be in the heads of some of the jurors that the police in Chicago don't play it straight. I think you're right. He's got to fight it. He's got to fight that potential problem that he's got. You know, back to you, Alexis Tereschek, I understand that uh, originally he claimed that he left his apartment to go and get a Subway sandwich. Now we're hearing on the stand that he decided to go out and buy eggs at Walgreens because the Osendari brothers told him to for weight training purposes. And when Walgreens was closed, that's when the whole Subway sandwich thing happened. This is the first I'm hearing about Walgreens. The eggs, are, the eggs and Walgreens trip is a new part of the story. We had not heard that before. And that, that's what he testified to. He said, he was trying to lose weight. That's why he called them, because what has been established is that there is a phone call that he made about an hour and a half before the attack to the brothers. So this is his explanation for that. Instead of, I called them to arrange to come beat me up, okay, in an hour and a half we're going to meet on the corner of the street, it was, hey guys, that's too, well, I guess at that point it's 1230 in the night, I'm starving, what could I eat that would make me lose weight. Okay, the obvious answer is nothing. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Uh, To you, Joseph Scott Morgan, Professor of Forensics, there are so many forensics issues. First of all, all the video. I, I think Levin, Professor Brian Levin, is right in order to tackle, to surmount 
any type of fear or prejudice toward the police, you've got to point out to this jury all of Smollett's inconsistencies. And I would start with the video. Uh, and I'll circle back to the eggs. But the video showing not only um, the way his rope had been adjusted and tied around his neck more like a noose for when the cops got there, but also the video of Smollett doing a dry run with the Osendero brothers in the days leading up to the attack. What about that video, Joe Scott? Yeah, and you're, you know, what you're what you're proposing is that the jury, uh, you know, you can't believe your lying eyes. It's it's something that that is concrete relative to visual evidence, which is very important in a case like this, where he is saying absolutely one thing and the the video evidence defeats it relative to what the jury is viewing before them. How do you diminish that in any way? Are you going to take the extra step now as a defense and say, well, well, all of this video, you know, don't believe it. It was all, you know, it's all fantastical. It's, it's been, it's been manipulated and that can be implied. They can imply anything that they want to, because remember at the end of the day, all they're trying to do is find one jury member there that they can implant reasonable doubt in. But with physical evidence like that, you know, you'd mentioned the rope as well with it being manipulated. And this is another thing that's so super bizarre here is when you begin to think about his manager telling him that he needs to take this critical piece of evidence and place it back around his neck. And this goes to something that people in Hollywood are always talking about, the optics of things. You know, how do they appear? Well, we want to be a master thespian here and and present for the, the cops as some kind of uh, sympathetic character as they walk through the door. And think about it, Nance, is that there are so many people that surround this environment that are enduring so much violence at the hands of one another and and to, and other people. And this guy, as Dr. Levin had pointed out, is using these these weak, weak um, uh, uh, things that he's putting forth as a shield. And it, it's it's horrible to listen to. Alexis Derescha, it comes out that the jury has seen video of Jesse Smollett, the Empire Star, walking around the area where the attack occurred on Jan 27. The attack occurred in the early morning hours on Jan 29. So less than 48 hours before the so-called hate crime attack occurred, there is video of Smollett walking in the same spot with the Osendaro brothers doing a dry run of the attack. How do you get around that? Well, it is his neighborhood. So he lives there. So this, this is, you know, anybody would take a stroll, although it is absolutely freezing cold in Chicago. But if you live in Chicago, you're fine walking around Chicago when it's freezing cold. Um, but the police, he said that he, he testified, Smollett testified on the stand that he would often get in his car with one or two of the brothers and drive around and smoke marijuana. He would do that. And that seemed to be what he was saying he was doing two days for, that that was something they'd always done in the past. And it was just a way that they chilled. They were not time. driving. They were walking near the scene of the alleged attack with uh, the two Osendaro brothers. And the brothers paid a bill at a beauty supply for some of the, they got, had to get a rope they had to get masks, they got gloves somewhere, they got bleach, 
They say with a $100 bill, Smollett gave them, and there's video of them doing that. Guys, take a listen to Our Cut 31. The actor described his attacker saying, it felt like something out of a Looney Tunes adventures. It felt like someone massive coming up to me. Not enough time to think. This person felt significantly larger than me, dressed in dark clothes, a ski mask. Smollett told the jury he fought back, saying, quote, I would like to think I landed a punch. I know I certainly threw one. Smollett was asked why he never called police. He responded, I'm a black man in America. I don't trust police. Smollett said after a threatening letter was sent to him at the Empire Studio, executives got him security and took the threat seriously, a counter to the special prosecutor's claim that Smollett planned the attack because he was unhappy with the response the letter received. I'm ready to do what I got to do. I'm ready to do what I got to do. Alexis Treschuk, tell me about the the death threat or the hate mail that Smollett got at the Empire Studios. And I find it more than coincidental that this letter exists, whether Smollett wrote it to himself or not. And the Osindaro brothers say Smollett wanted to do this attack because the studio did not take the hate mail seriously and he wanted to bring attention to himself to get more money in his next contract. So that's the Osindaro brothers' story and the hate mail exists and the studio was told about the hate mail and the studio did not give him a raise, one that he wanted anyway. What about it? That seems to corroborate what the Osindaro brothers are saying. So the studio did take it seriously. So it was a picture of a man with a noose around him, or a person, a man with a, a stick a noose figure. Around their neck. It was a stick figure. And with a noose around their neck. So this, this right. is, you know, one of the worst images in out there. But the studio offered to give Smollett security. They, they, they were worried about him. They said, we will provide security for you. He said on the stand, I didn't want their security because my schedule during the day is I like I come to work in the morning and then at lunchtime I leave, I drive around the neighborhood, I smoke marijuana and then I don't want the security to see that. So he then he says the brothers begged him to let them be his security and that he didn't want them to be security either. So that's part of his defense that they wanted to work for him and, and that's maybe why they attacked him as well because he wouldn't hire them as security. Hmm. Nancy, this is Wendy. This is one of the things we're all talking about is once he's taken the stand, it's reasonable interpretations of the evidence. What we're establishing is that the evidence is not consistent with Mr. Smollett's testimony. It's more consistent as it's coming out and as we're all rehashing it here with what the brothers are saying. And when the jury considers that, that's going to be the question. You know, sometimes actors over or underestimate their ability to narrate events. We've seen that in several high-profile trials involving Hollywood actors that are either very good at, and very persuasive or not, but they think they are. And sometimes we wonder whether that's why someone took the stand. But his interpretation of the evidence is not consistent with all of the other circumstances that we're discussing. It is, including this hate mail that Alexis just so, so eloquently put out there, the way that was described is consistent with what the brothers said. So it might just come down to that, to the corroboration and the consistency. Guys, take a listen to Our Cut 33. This is Charlie DeMar at CBS News Chicago. Smollett said after a threatening letter was sent to him at the Empire Studio, executives got him security and took the threat seriously, 
A counter to the special prosecutor's claim that Smollett planned the attack because he was unhappy with the response that letter received. The actor also told the jury that he would do drugs with Abel Osindaro and the two had a physical relationship. He said during a bathhouse encounter, there was some touching. Abel denies those claims. Abel denies those claims. So it's boiling down to a he say, they say. Um, Let's talk about the various inconsistencies, because I think Professor Brian Levin is correct. The only way the state's going to win this case is if they show the jury very clearly on a visual during closing arguments as they verbally argue those inconsistencies at the same time, a double whammy. They see it, they read it, and they hear it. When they go back to that jury deliberation room, that's what they're going to be thinking about. The inconsistencies. Joe Scott Morgan, Professor of Forensics, which inconsistencies stand out the most to you? Well, I think that what, what we have to consider here, I think that one of the key pieces here is this letter, Nancy. It was essentially constructed as a result of magazine cutouts, if you will. And, you know, the postal, the U.S. postal inspectors who are very good at this sort of thing, uh, as well as the FBI, mm-hmm. probably their question document section really got on this thing. And, I, and these these are this is different than examining handwriting, for instance. This actually comes uh, comes into where you're having to examine the margins of these cutouts and trying to match them up, either include them or exclude them as part of evidence. But I think it goes to a bigger point here where why would this one individual out of all the individuals in Hollywood receive a particular letter like this? Does he does he drag up that much hatred out there among the American public that he is going to be targeted? And so this evidence that they're going to submit and that they're going to be discussing in in trial, the jury is going to examine that. And they're thinking, you know, look, out of all the people. You know, why would he be targeted? Why is he such a polarizing figure in this? And I just I don't see it. I don't see it holding water, you know, moving forward. And then you you throw the video evidence in here. And, you know, to to Alexis's point relative to people in Chicago being used to the cold. Yeah, they are used to the cold being out walking around. But they also are aware of how deadly the cold is. We're talking about temperatures, Nancy, that are sub-teens at this point. The people in Chicago are smart enough to know to stay indoors. You don't go out looking for Subway sandwiches and eggs and whatever in the hell else he's looking for. It just it doesn't marry up the physical evidence that they have and all of the circumstantial evidence. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Isn't it true, Alexis Terezchuk, that regarding this hate mail Jesse Smollett claims he got at the Empire Studios, the Postal Inspection Service closes their case into Jesse Smollett's alleged hate mail. They determined that the hate mail, the return address was simply scrawled MAGA. Yeah. Never contained any ricin or any other dangerous powder. They said, as a matter of fact, it's much more likely that whoever opened the letter, Jesse Smollett, had taken a Tylenol at some point. That's what they said. The Postal Service, you think they got a dog in the fight? They don't care. They're just trying to deliver the mail for Pete's sake. So they couldn't care less. And this was their opinion. They closed the case. They said at most Smollett took a Tylenol before he opened the letter. Yes, correct. They, they did close the case. But the studio did take it seriously. And also with regard to his salary. Why do you keep saying that? What difference because, does it make? Because... The, he is then, so the studio took it seriously. They offered him security. He turned down the security, but then he's saying the brothers offered to be his security. Like, it just isn't connecting. Okay, men now I get sense. it. So they offered him security for for free. He turned that down, but yet he was talking to the brothers about being his bodyguard. See, I thought the brothers, he's claiming the brothers wanted to be a bodyguard, but that he wasn't going to hire them. Could I just interject a quick, a quick point? Jump in. Okay. Now, if the letter said MAGA, first of all, I, I think that a celebrity could, in fact, even one that's not like total AA list, right, could get hate mail. But here's the thing. What we all odds? get hate mail, Levin. I, we all I, get I hate mail. I, I, I got it. Why don't you but go you online? Get, I bet you've got some hate mail online. I, I, I get some routinely. Yeah, but we all get it. In the letter, though, it says MAGA. Just bear with me, though, because we're talking about kind of the forensic side. Let's look at a, just a, a, a slightly nuanced version here, though. He gets the letter, a stick figure, noose, and it says MAGA. Okay. Then he's attacked by folks who have a noose and MAGA hats mm-hmm. at like two in the morning when it's freezing. For me, that's just a bridge too far. Had it just been a letter that said, I hate you, you're, you're you know. Uh, I hate you, you're so, die. Right. But it's too close together. It's like the dog ate it's my homework. It's too much of a coincidence. The dog ate my homework and look, there are real bite marks. You see what I'm saying? It's too, it's, it's too consistent. So what I'm saying to you is in most of the stuff that we're seeing, there are real inconsistencies. The one place where we see a consistency, a letter, and then at like two in the morning or one in the morning when it's freezing, some folks with a noose and MAGA hats, 
It just sounds too staged. Because it is, and it turns out the attackers are people you've been paying that you do a dry run with to about 36 hours before the attack. Hey, you know what? I want to I talk about that, the likelihood that it would be anybody else beside Smollett. The letter, as Levin points out, stick figure with a noose uh, from MAGA, and then suddenly... His two friends that he's had sex encounters with, according to him, attack him, put a noose around his neck, and he claims they, they're they yelling, this is MAGA country, and wearing a MAGA hat. But, but can I say one quick thing on that? Even if that letter was legitimately a, a, a hate-mongering letter from someone who hated him, right, he still played it with, well, allegedly. He still allegedly played that script. So even if that letter was legitimately a threatening letter, the fact that he then ran with it as kind of the script for the play that, that actually petered out, uh, I, I think is, 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 is damning either way. <laughs> whether, he, whether he made the letter up himself, okay. But yeah. even if he didn't, he still could have uh, orchestrated it around that letter to make it more believable. Either way, I, I think that's a dead end. Again, I just don't see how he can get around the dry run caught on video. I asked uh, Joseph, Joe Scott Morgan, what he thought was the most serious evidence. And I want to talk to you guys about what you think is the most serious inconsistency. What about it, Wendy Patrick? Nancy, I think the most serious inconsistency is all about how this actually came about in terms of what he was doing out on the street, because everything else stems from that. When you look at the motivation he would have had for making this up, that's one thing. You can imagine if the career was flailing, wanted to draw attention, never thought it would go to the police. The never thought it would go to the police component explains so much on either side. It would explain why they were willing to take risks, why they were willing to have their stories diverge, why they didn't get it together. If you never expect to have anybody cross-examining your statement, you're not going to take those types of precautions. So if you look at the underlying motivation behind the act, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't hit that hard on, on a closing argument, whether the prosecutor says, this is why you have all those loose ends, because nobody expected us to have tied them up the way that we did. That's what I think this case is going to come down to. Dr. Angie Arnold, I find the Subway sandwich slash Walgreens argument from a strictly personal point of view to me be the least believable a and the dry run. So he's having sex encounters with one of the brothers that deny it and a bathhouse and he's with them 36 hours before and he's on the phone with them an hour and 10 minutes before they attack him yet he doesn't recognize them there's that and then the going out at 2 a.m for a subway sandwich that's what he said to start with he never mentioned walgreens until now that's what he told the cops he went out at 2 a.m i mean Dr. Angie, what do you do at 2 a.m. when you're hungry? Well, I don't wake up at 2 a.m. But let's and just so, pretend you did. But I would go down to my kitchen and, and grab something. Such as? Um, chocolate. <laughs> I mean, I mean, or a bowl of cereal. Soup. <laughs> or a bowl of cereal. <laughs> okay, what about you, Levin? What would you do 2 a.m. hungry? This happened to me the other day. I, I didn't eat a lot during the day, went downstairs, rummaged through the refrigerator, and ate what was kind of there, an edible, a, 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 little, a little cheese wrapped with some stuff. 
and a um, and a can of soup. Wendy, what about it? You know, Nancy, I'm just getting up at 2 a.m., as you and Jackie know, because I do so much East Coast media in the morning. But one thing I wanted to point out is uh, I would make sure my, my fridge is stocked, and I certainly wouldn't go out in a polar vortex. That was also unbelievable to me, but that's one of the things that Mr. Smollett has tried to turn around by basically saying, look, I'm not Why like other people. Why are you trying people. to evade the question of what you ate at 2 a.m.? Well, I usually just have coffee at 2 a.m. because I've just awoken. So uh, my cereal comes at... Uh, yeah, cereal's easy. 30, and it's already in my fridge or in my uh, cupboard. I would never go out in the middle of the night to forage for food. Joe Scott, what about it? Dark chocolate and cheese, man. That just At 2 a.m.? I'm yeah, basically uh, a garbage gut. Whatever I can find, I'll just eat it. Uh, even if it's, like, if it's really old, if it's expired, <laughs> a piece of cheese, a glass of milk, whatever's left over from supper. <laughs> Alexis, what? What is it? What's the go-to, 2 a.m.? Granola bar. We have lots. Oh, of course, you're all California healthy. I bet it's See, like an organic. You're a great cook, Nancy. You're, you're a great cook, so you have better options to choose from than the rest of us. I mean, this whole going out, and literally when, when Wendy Patrick said a polar vortex, it, there was a polar vortex. It was sub-zero temps. And, Alexis, isn't it correct that this whole Walgreens buying eggs at Walgreens story just came up. I wouldn't think of going to buy eggs at Walgreens. I'd go to a grocery store for eggs. But whatever. Didn't that just happen on the stand? It did, which makes me think that the prosecutors perhaps can go back to this, although it's been a couple of years now to get video evidence, but there's no video evidence of this. And perhaps the defense at the time would have gotten the video evidence to say, look, here, he's at Walgreens because everything else has been on video and it was closed and he walked there first. Guys, we're attacking the inconsistencies in Smollett's story. I wonder if the jury is going to see past all of the claims Smollett is making. We'll see. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. 
anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.